C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And we are excited to be recording live in our studio in New York City. Except we're, we're not actually live right other. now. We're just sitting across the table. Yes. In so. the OG professional recording studio. Yeah. There is no Skype involved here, people. It's great. It's great. They can tell. They're like, wow. Yeah, they're like, wow, the quality is <laughs> top notch. Actually, I think the Skype quality is pretty good. But. I think it is, too. I don't know what happened in that episode with Jenny Mainpop where I felt like I couldn't hear myself, but... Yeah, sometimes it's hit or miss, but Sometimes overall, I get excited and I don't job. talk. We are doing a great job. Maddie, you're doing a great job. Thanks. Um... So, this is a super special friendship Cordapalooza episode. Um, we just did a very hot episode that you guys will have already listened to. I hope you all loved it. Yes. Um, with and Sweet Terrence. With Sweet Terrence Bodine. Yes. Oh, my God. Bodine. I, I had such a moment of, like, have I known this person for, like, seven years and I just said his name wrong? But I It's didn't. okay. None of my coworkers know how to say my name. Yergi. Yes. Right? I'm saying Shay it hesitated. She did not seem confident. Well, I just... <laughs> I had a moment where I was She's like, oh, have I been saying it wrong? the same t- amount of time. Have I been saying it wrong for seven years? No, it's your Nine years? But any time I, I say it, people years. are like, oh, it's any number of the gay. mispronunciations. So. That's right. My name's Shay. And it's because people don't ask. They just see your name in print, and then it never comes up until... Yeah. And it's not like I'm going around being like, hi, my name is... At least never been never been called Shia or Shaya. That's Shia, true. she. There's many variations. She, she, yeah. That's true. Coffee for she. Shia. I know that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, my people are just lazy. It's just lazy, and I'm just like Shay is not that uncommon of a name. I don't understand. No. Um, all right, well, Maddie. Great. What is your millennial moment? Well, I feel like since we last recorded outside of when we recorded with Terrence, but that was a very specifically focused episode i went to atlanta oh and i went to the greatest place on earth the world of coca-cola this makes me afraid for you but also happy for you i loved it so much it was great um no i do love coke we've talked about it on this podcast Mm -hmm. i am addicted to it um i haven't had any today so maybe this is maybe you're going through withdrawal maybe um but no, I love cheesy shit like that. Like when I was in Amsterdam, like all the like brewery tours and mm. I just think it's fun. You just have to embrace I that do it's love like a good a factory big, tour. Yeah, it's just like a big advertisement and it's so like I think what's fascinating about Coke is that it transcends multiple generations bringing it back to this podcast that it's just I love it. iconic. They've never changed their logo, which is really interesting. Yeah. Like even Pepsi has done that like other consumer brands They've just been consistent. They tried to change their formula in the 80s. It didn't go over well. Mm -hmm. They've kept the consistency. But my favorite part of the tour, and Leah, shout out, my friend in Atlanta, who... And former guest of the pod. Yes, former guest of the pod. She um, had been to the World of Coke. She's been... This would have been her third time. So she had been two times before this. And (laughs) she was like, there's a video. So, like, you walk in, and they give you 
a eight ounce can of coke and it's very cool because you're in this like atrium and everyone's like popping their coke so it's just oh like my the god. sound and yeah. i was like oh my god um so magical and then you go into this they're like all right this is the beginning of your tour and then you go to a movie theater oh and you the sit theater. and you watch six minutes of what i would call if you don't cry you don't have a soul oh movie, where it's like all these people having life events and they're like real life people and coke just happens to be like in the shot somewhere mm-hmm. and there's one where it's like the particular one that got me was this kid and he's like filming a video and he's like in the deserts of afghanistan and he's like there's nothing like home here except they have coca-cola and his like family's watching it and they're like oh yay claps for brian whatever and yeah. then they turn around and he's there oh. and then another one was like it was like a grandmother's birthday. There was another one that was like an engagement. See, I really... Some kids climbing mountains. And I was like, wow. And Leah was like, I've seen this video two other times and I cry every time. Oh and God. then I look over at her and she's crying. And I was oh, like, Leah! I really want to be judgy. But also I can say that I... It was sweet. I shed a little tear. For... And I have no soul, so... Oh, please. You have a soul. Uh, for the past... 20 years I've probably cried every time I see like the holiday Folgers commercials where it's always like a there's a particular one where like they've played it for literally decades and it's like a daughter coming home to her home and her dad makes the coffee oh, and yeah and then they like have it in the car and she's like here's your cup of coffee yeah or it's just yeah. and I have sobbed at that yeah um, it's like yeah, I you would commercials be wrecked time. at this so coca-cola wrecked, world and I don't even like coke although if you're gonna ask me coke or pepsi I'll say coke Yes. So I think that's an excellent. Yeah. And, and they, Coke owns so many products, like so many. So ooh, they own Oddwalla, Minute Maid. Um, what are some of the other good ones? Schweppes, if you use that yeah. brand of tonic water or whatever. A lot of stuff. I love it. Yeah. So anyways, that was the most interesting part. And then they have a room at the end that just has Coke products from around the world and mm. you can sample them all. Ooh. It was very fun. And then I went to what I would consider the best merchandise store. I love a good gift shop. Yeah. But usually they're a little lackluster. This one was amazing. Anything you want with Coke on it, they had. I got a mug. I got shorts. I got Corey, a fun Hawaiian shirt with Coca-Cola logo on it. We're ready. We're here for it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Shay is horrified. Did you just say a Hawaiian shirt with a Coca-Cola logo on it? Yes. Like okay. a button, just short sleeve. Sure I heard properly. Yes. I'm a little tired um, and I am horrified at that, but I'm sure Corey looks very handsome. He's going to wear it. Well, we have this joke, so he, it's, like, so not PC, but uh, Hawaiian shirts look like, you know, people that sell Coke on the street, not Coke the drink, but, like, Coke the drug. Coke up your nose. Yes. They look, like, Coke dealers always wear Hawaiian shirts, Mm. so we lovingly call them Coke Coke dealers. Yes. It's punny. That's very punny, and I love a good pun. Maddie. So I'm doing a t- project at Maddie's work tomorrow, and yes. I have a wonderful pun <laughs> that she's going to see, and I am Is it about, it. are you going to put in front of some other word? No. Okay, because that's my favorite one. I'm going to call it a, I'll just tell you oh, now. Oh, we're going to have to bleep this out, because then people are going to know that I work at but. It does nothing to do. I know, but I said hello oh. on a word. People are okay, gonna bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah. But it's, I've called it or full presentations. Oh, <laughs> and funny. People like that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yes. Um, good. Excellent. All right. Any other takeaways from the world of Coke? Um, I don't know. I just think they're an iconic brand, mm-hmm. and the world of Coke is very fun if you're in Atlanta. Yeah. And you know, you get to try Cokes from all over the world. And I just think, from like a marketing perspective, the fact that they've never changed their 
they've never changed. Like, they've expanded, but, like, the Coke product is the same. It's always been, and they've just, like, capitalized on it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. So, for my millennial moment, I'm going to use the one that Maddie just told me to use, and then I said, I don't want to do that. But now I'm going to use it. Yeah. So, um, I have so it's, many good ideas. I, Maddie is a real plethora of good ideas. A real yes. Pandora's box of yes. good ideas. Um, so I'm back in New York City. I This is the third time I'm back since I moved, but I haven't been here since last um, September. And, you know, it's I think it's really interesting to, like, come back to a place that you lived as an adult because you yeah. don't totally have the nostalgia as if you, like, go back to where you lived as a child. Right. But New York is such a funny place because it changes so much, but it really stays the same. You know, and I'm always the person who's, like, laughing at people who are like, oh, I can't believe this change. Yeah. Because I, you know, I get it's that so much in Portland because people are always like, oh, it's changing. The Californians are moving in and ruining it in the farmland. And, and I'm just kind of like, well, I like to live it's in a fine, place yeah. that has commerce and is right. growing. And I think that's good. It's good for our yeah. economy and our people. But um, I was laughing because when I got in on Thursday, I met up with a dear friend of mine and we walked all over I walked I literally walked 11 miles crazy and um we were walking through our old neighborhood and there were a number of places that had closed Mm -hmm. and every time I was like how dare they close this place but Maddie I'm gonna tell you the saddest thing that I just saw that was closed and that you'll also be sad and that is the Rocking Horse Cafe oh really I know Laura and I interesting former guests of the pod Laura and I were going to great margarita they have a great everything. Yeah, Some of my a great brunch. favorite meals. Yeah. Uh, we were going to go there. And I said, no, we cannot go there because it's closed down. Yeah, that's sad. So anyway, it was really interesting to both experience it after the city after being away for a while. But also it felt really weird because a part of me doesn't feel like I've been gone for that long. Like it felt right. weird to like just not go to my apartment. Yeah. And to not like I still feel in a lot yeah, of ways fall like right I back into here. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because I've maintained a very kind of close working relationship with a lot of people so it's definitely um been interesting but that is my millennial moment so yeah i mean uh, the only place i've lived as an adult is new york so i've never Mm -hmm. obviously come back here and experienced it um but one day one day one day um yeah i love it that's good awesome and Maddie, shall you bring a toasty log to our campfire? Yes. So um, I thought this was interesting. In the most recent Vanity Fair issue, the one with Beto O'Rourke on the cover mm-hmm. that maybe we've seen, um, I think her name is Radhika Jones, is the editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. She did like her normal like letter from the editor thing. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about generational differences. Mm. And I just thought it was really interesting. I don't have it in front of me, but... She was saying she was reading something and it had sa- it had gone over like these are the generations and it was like the silent generation or the greatest generation, whatever you want to call it, baby boomers, millennials and Gen Z. And they had completely skipped over Gen X mm. and she herself is a Gen X. And she was like, it's so fitting because they're called the apathy generation. Mm. They're not considered hooked in the same way that millennials and boomers are. And she kind of brought that into the Beto O'Rourke interview, which was their cover story of mm-hmm. He is a millennial, but they're, most of the media coverage is the boomers, like the old timers, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, Orrin Hatch comes to yeah. mind, versus like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like mm-hmm. all these millennials in office. And there's really no, because there's no tension there, there's no story, the Gen yeah. X 
people in politics kind of get overlooked. And she was talking about the presidential race. And you have all the people from Pete Buttigieg from South Bend, who's a millennial. He's in his 30s, who's running oh, for wow. president. Yeah. And then you have kind of like what I call the crusty old timers, mm-hmm. Bernie, the Bernie and Joes of the world. God, Bernie, it's so and- <laughs> Oh my God. And the whole Joe Biden scandal right now gives me a I know. I, I know. And we love Joe Biden I so know, much. We loved his Instagram back in the day. I still love it. I know. I still don't think he did anything wrong. But anyway, go on. Um, so you have like the boomers slash, I don't even know if they're probably too old to even be boomers, but whatever. Maybe they're at the older end, but you have them. And then you also have this, whole skew of Gen X people mm-hmm. who are running like Chris and Gildebrand mm-hmm. and Beto mm-hmm. um, and a couple like cuspy people like Kamala Harris who like could be a boomer, could be Gen X depending on what yeah. you're looking at and she was saying, you know, it's going to be interesting like if a Gen X person resumes kind of their rightful place, quote unquote, as president coming after the baby boomers or if it's just going to skip right from boomers to millennials Mm -hmm. to kind of take that seat of power and how that person will be able to lead if they are gen x dealing with a congress and with different politicians where there's mostly tension between boomers and millennials and they're Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in the middle and i thought that was interesting and then also reading the article about beto like the big poll quote that's on the cover from that is he was just like they were like why did you want to run and he was like i was destined for it like in typical white boy fashion yeah um and i just thought the whole article like him as like a Gen X icon is just so spot on. Mm-hmm. Like his life story and how he even got into politics is like so quintessentially Gen X. So I re- I want people to read it because I think it's really good. Um, and just kind of how he- they were like, so how did you decide to run for president? Mm-hmm. He was just kind of like, seemed I like a to thing my wife, to and it seemed like it was the right time. Like I had the momentum, yeah. and it's like that's so sort of slacker apathy Gen yeah. X to a T that I thought was yeah. funny, and his kind of like punk rock ethos like he was in a band and like his weird hacktivist stuff yeah is very funny so yeah. it's a great article and i thought radhika jones kind of summarized it all to be like don't forget about us gen x like we're here yeah but we might still be overlooked so yeah no it's interesting that there aren't a lot of kind of gen x i mean i think right now this whole uh, the huge pool of democrats putting there oh it's a dumpster fire it is a total dumpster fire and i was watching um do you have any personal faves we can cut this out if you Um, want to talk about your political beliefs but you know i haven't been following it quite close enough i just was watching it's still very early when um what is that other guy who's also very young his last name scalwell is that his name i have no idea um i know judge is the He's running... Gay for, mayor of South Bend. Oh, yeah. He... Um, I listened to him. This guy's from San Francisco area, and he's a representative from California, and he is running um, on the complete anti-gun platform, and he, like, went to Parkland to, like, announce his uh, candidacy and everything. But there's a part of me that's, like... And I think he's great. I think he's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, I think he had a very similar story to um Beto because he was like well yeah you know like I got kids and I'm 38 and I talked to my wife and yeah. I hate guns so I said yeah. I'll run for president it's fine it'll be interesting to see if yeah. that but is I enough. think all of these 38 year olds I mean again I it would be great to see a millennial run for yeah. office but they're not serious candidates and I feel like the problem is Bernie's not a serious candidate right. either so who do we have as democrats that we can put in there that could actually have a chance because I I hate to say this, but I the truly Gen think... X. The Gen X. We've got to find... Like Kamala Harris, yeah. Kristen Gildebrand. Let's hope. Cory Booker. Let's hope we that we need to focus on them and not... And I, I think it would be yeah. better if 
Buttigieg and O'Rourke and Scalwell step down and let those people have a chance. It's their turn for yeah, leadership. They're not going to. Obama pushed out that ethos that you could do it once the timing is right. Yeah. Like, no, he capitalized on that... the timing, and that's what Beto's trying to do. Well, but it's very different. Obama yeah. won a statewide race. Beto has not done that. Exactly. I totally so there's agree. And, and, differences. I, and I say that loving Beto, and I, I really think all of these people are doing No, amazing, he represents a lot of great, great amazing things, things. And he's a very yeah. interesting person. But... The but most he's definitely not Obama 2.0, I think. Is yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is that we defeat Trump. And I think honestly, right now with that trash fire in the Democratic race, Trump's gonna win again, and we're gonna have a problem. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a trash fire. I just like refuse. And I'm to sorry vote. to our Republican leaders. I mean, I, listeners. I just don't want to vote for anyone who's over the age of 70, which includes Agreed. Trump and also Biden, Biden and, and Bernie, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. She's pretty old too. Yeah, they're all... I, I'm sorry, I know if that makes listeners. me ageist, but I'm just like, there's ways to serve as kind of an elder, wiser member of a party that mm-hmm. does not involve putting yourself front and center. And I really do think, I was talking to someone about this recently, I think the re- I think Biden is actually, I think he wants to run, and I think the party establishment is putting out all of these negative press stories about mm-hmm. him to get people disinterested. Yeah. No, Which I is kind of shitty. It's um, it's fun, but um, we'll see. Yeah. So it sounds like you don't have. I don't a front have runner. a front runner. I need to do some more research. Um, it's still very soon. Yeah, I think my favorite political thing from this week because I was also visiting my dear aunt and uncle in Buffalo, and they are definitely political, you know, politico junkies, and like watch. Yeah the thing all day long and then they were showing me some funny comedian clips and my favorite one that I saw that I want everyone to watch because it had me laughing so hard um it was a good kind of release of tension from the political climate is John Mulaney's um Trump is like a horse loose in the hospital oh yes that's Have from his this? last yeah that's oh, from his last Netflix my special god I was laughing it's very funny that whole so, special so is so hard. funny yeah so everyone I'd recommend seeing it but basically the premise of it is is like we don't know what's going on because Trump it's is something that you've never like, dealt with yeah, before. Yeah, you've never dealt with it before. It's like yeah. having a horse lose not. We didn't know the horse could take the elevator. Yeah. Um, and so you're just it's dealing with funny. it. It's very reactionary. So, yeah. Yeah. He is a very funny comedian. Yeah, he's yeah I don't know. I haven't. I don't know. I'm very, very undecided. What do you think? Yeah. Do you have a front runner? No. No. I don't. I don't know. It's tough. I also have to do more research. Yeah. And there's no one I that also... oh, sorry, is on. just like the spark of them running is like super exciting to me and I feel like there's all this like because there's such a spectrum of like you have the super progressive left people and then Mm -hmm. you have people like Kamala Harris who are getting run out the door because she was a prosecutor and she's too tough on crime it's like there's just no cohesive message or like I don't know I think as the field will get narrower it'll happen over time Mm -hmm. um but I don't know. I've just I've never been a Trump be fan, but I feel like I'm also more conservative than what the left is putting out there. So that's yeah, my problem. But, well, I mean, I think again, it's, it's just like, like I would like to be in, ex- excited about someone, and I'm yeah, not right now. I agree, and I think it's fine to consider a Republican, but Trump is is ridiculous. You know, you can't. He's dangerous. Well, yeah. I just I didn't vote for him last time, and I'm not gonna vote for him this time. Yeah. So. Like, he has done nothing the past two years to inspire confidence in me. Um, but that being said, like, well, there's still underlying things. So I'm like, someone like a Kamala Harris I actually really like. But yeah, I think she's, she's not going to make it through the primaries because she's too conservative in a lot of ways. Um, 
But well, someone like that, Kristen Gildebrand, is also a Kappa, so that's cool. Oh, I didn't Something in know common. That. Yeah, so she fun. went to Dartmouth, I think. So smart. Um, so well, yeah, I really like Kristen Gildebrand. Um, but it's also like being from New York. I think New York politics. There's a lot of like seedy shadiness happening, mm-hmm. so that leads me to not like her. Um, I think someone like Cory Booker has like great oratorial skills, and he's mm-hmm. super inspiring as a candidate. But you know, so yeah, we'll see. I really like Pete Buttigieg too. I know, but I, I think like he's too, too young. He's That's my thing. Young. I'm like maybe next time. Beto, I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, I'm like they're all I fine. They're, Beto, none of them great. are trash fire. I don't know. It's just like I mean, they're all young and enthusiastic, yeah. and I love like, that. None of them, I don't think, yeah. would like send us into crisis like or anything. Like I'm just search. like. I don't know. I think, like you said, I need to do more research. I need to yeah. see more of them. And I think well, there is room for, like, a centrist moderateness that yeah. is missing, maybe. And I just think the problem, and this is what's dangerous about having this system where just anybody can just throw their hat in the ring willy-nilly. Right, it's not organized. And then you end up with the DNC trying to yeah. deep-six Joe Biden by putting out press hits on yeah, him. Yeah, and I just I just feel like it's, it's hard for people to be educated when they have to research 14 candidates totally and that's why people wait and this is i think part of the reason why trump got elected and i saw this with a lot of my republican friends and family members in michigan because michigan has a late primary Mm -hmm. and it was already known at that time that trump was the front runner he had Mm -hmm. won a lot of primaries and i had friends and family that talked to me and they were like well i would have preferred marco rubio or i would have preferred ted cruz you know whatever your political leanings are like there are there were i think better less extreme examples than trump that were running Mm -hmm. and they were like well i would have chose them but trump looked like he was going to seal the nomination so i voted for him and so there's like this cascading landslide effect that as the primaries get later and later Mm -hmm. people are like i want to vote for a winner i want to be on the winning team i don't want to throw away my vote and so they vote for who they think is going to have a good chance of winning and so i had a lot of people that i know that voted for trump in the primary because of that specific Mm -hmm. reason and so i feel like the Democratic primary, it could be the same way where people are like, ah, I don't really have the time to like come up with how I feel or mm-hmm. what I want to do. So I'm just going to wait until it's not 14 candidates, but two or three. And then I'll see who has won the most primaries yeah. and just vote for them. And then it's inevitable. Which You're is basically great. trusting other people who may be crazy right, who or live may in have other not states done any research who don't have, have the same issues. lifestyle yeah. that you do. Yeah. Well, I'm a big yeah. states rights person. I really like that aspect of our political system. I agree. And I think there's different aspects like there's things that you deal with in portland that don't affect new york and Mm -hmm. vice versa and i think that that's something to consider that you might be coming from the same place but someone that lives in a completely different place than you might Mm -hmm. need something different and they might vote differently because of that and so you shouldn't just blindly follow them just because their primary arbitrarily happens to be before yours like that's dumb yeah i agree um i have to say maddie some feedback i've gotten on the podcast is that we avoid politics well i think we just took a deep dive into the 2020 we do. Well, it's also election. Like, I mean, to pull back the curtain, it's like, I think we don't want to alienate our listeners. Like, I think it's fair to say we have listeners mm-hmm. on all sides of the aisle that mm-hmm. we respect. And, you know, we want this to be an appealable podcast to everyone. And at the same time, it's like, it's not a podcast about politics, but obviously podcast or politics affects everyone and mm-hmm. it impacts your life. Yeah. And, you know. I don't want to use this platform to, like, say one position or another or yeah. to say, like, you have to agree with Shay or agree with Maddie or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's definitely something that, you know, just in general, more controversial po- topics we could touch upon a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, it's hard to... I don't want people to judge us by being like, oh, well, Maddie said that she's not super progressive and she's more conservative, so therefore she loves Trump. And I'm never yeah. going to listen to her because she's not woke enough. It's like... Maddie's very woke listeners. Yeah. She's the woke. It's like we're all 
complicated tapestries of people as like our guests, you know, and yeah. it's the same thing. Like there's something times our guests say things that I don't agree with, but I don't always jump in and give my mm-hmm. opinion because that's not the point of the show. Yeah. It's to but hear with the story. these sort of one on one episodes like, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I, I just hope really the agree. listeners, if the listeners are wanting more of that, they also have to respect it and not attack yeah. us if we do get more open about it. And let us know your thoughts, listeners. We would love to be able to have some more um, listener input so we can discuss the politics a little more uh, in depth yeah. or deeply. Um, all right. I love it. Do you, like you have a, Yes. Well, I just wanted to point out this article uh, from the New York Timesy, um, and now of course my little phone is not going to want to pull it up. That's nice. <laughs> uh, but basically, it was a focus on Gen Z, and I don't really have. A, Do you need to turn your um, Wi-Fi back on? Or no, something? my Wi-Fi is on. I just it closed out of the. Oh, that's okay. Uh, thing okay here we are uh, i had it all ready to go and then it lied to me uh so basically it's just this profile on gen z and they interviewed 900 members of oh, gen cool. z and i thought it was really interesting what's the name of the article um, it's called 900 voices okay. from <laughs> gen z america's most diverse <laughs> generation and it's like an interactive kind of video or not video uh photo essay um and i thought it was really interesting first of all because some of the people who they classified as Gen Z, I would definitely classify as a millennial. They're, you know, people... Like people in their mid-20s. People in their mid-20s, 20s, yeah. people about your age. So I was like, well, we disagree with that. Yeah. And then it was just funny to me, you know, you know, I, I do think it's the most diverse generation, but some of the stuff they were saying, I was like, well, this to me doesn't feel really unique, which again is that mm-hmm. question that we come up with again. But like, yeah. for example... Is it young people or is it... Yeah, they're talking to this, the first guy, and there's, again, 900 of them, and I probably only went through, like, 40. But he goes, I hope to change the world for the better. Although I know my efforts are probably futile, I still hope for the best. I mean, to me, that doesn't seem particularly new. Yeah, I feel like Um, that's every young person in their 20s, but... This, perhaps... Oh, so this girl's born... Uh, 2004, and she says, I met a lot of Gen Zers, or memers, as they're called. Okay, never heard that one before. Yeah, that are every color of the queer spectrum. Um, then they have, this is someone from born in 1995. I have constant and rising worries about our political state of affairs. This is the first time in my lifetime that I have felt such anxieties on a daily basis. Also, you're, were born, I mean, I guess she's about your age, born in 1995. You're yeah. 93, 94. I feel very calm. I, yeah. I don't know. It's, well, we've talked about this. You're it's a very like, calm person. Well, I am a very calm person, but it's also like, to use the lens of these are all young people mm-hmm. arguments, it's like our parents and the boomer generation, they lived through the nuclear crisis where they exactly. were thinking that they were going to get bombed and having to do drills in high mm-hmm. schools and stuff. And I think some of that too, like the active shooter trainings and stuff like that is very anxiety producing. Yeah. But I think I still maintain that like the Nixon cold war era is worse than like the Trump I agree. America of today, but I that's agree. maybe just me. So, I mean, I just, um, here's someone born in 1996. Um, many of my friends from my hometown in Michigan are burgeoning members of the oh, alt-right. Do I know that person? We grew up together, but our hopes for America oh are different. His name's What Steven. does the alt-right even mean? This is a whole other tangent. Yeah, I, I don't know. even know. Um, this I don't recognize person, that person. <laughs> just said, I'm a black bi woman. Cool. Great. Um, nice to know. Cool for you. I will read like two more. Oh, I like them. this person. Oh. Uh, it's just me and my mom. She's a single mom by choice. Hate the drama, but love music and lights. Don't really know how all of that is related. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have being a Trump supporter is seen by many as a negative character trait. So I don't typically share my views among, 
uh, other than with my right-leaning friends. Um, and then this oh, one says, fair. I come off as someone who is competent, but I suffer from such low self-esteem, period, which defines my generation, period. So, I mean, I think what's really interesting, so I just would encourage everyone to kind of go take yeah, a look at it. But um, it is interesting to read through them and kind of see the things that do seem to just be like, I'm a young person. This is how I feel. Yeah. And then the things that do stick out, which I feel the two things that stuck yeah. out to me was that, the, again, this self-esteem question. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is people who do feel like they lean to the right, feel like they have to be hidden among young people. And again, you know, we've definitely touched upon in this podcast that Maddie leans a little more right. I lean a more, little more left, although we're both pretty uh, center, center-based. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, it's really sad to me that these because there is good work that the right is doing. And I feel like it's sad that these young people can't come out and be open about that and change the face of the party. They feel like they have yeah. to be so quiet. So um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. And yeah. that is my toasty log. And I would recommend that everyone check it out. Yeah, I think that's great. I think both of those things are really interesting. I think the just like I think the mental health issue we've talked about it. They've done studies on this, the mm-hmm. anxiety, whether that's coming from the use of technology or just like general added pressure for um kids that are going to college and things like that um and we've talked about i can't remember what episode it was on or how it came up but i remember we talked about it at some point like in college i don't know if it was a guest that we had on or something but people i know you had said that like you had gone to nyu and like when you were doing your master's like you had never felt that you could not speak up in class and yeah you hadn't had that experience and i i just remember i don't know if it was me or someone else but i remember we had that discussion of like some like that's not always the case and Mm -hmm. it's not a woe is me or like a victim mentality or anything but Mm -hmm. i do see that self-censorship happening Mm -hmm. and I, i think it's based on this like label fact like the alt-right what does that even mean like you ask someone they couldn't define it for Mm -hmm. you or they define it differently it's like voting for trump it's like if if you're gonna have these like categorical distinctions for people then you have to be okay being like well that's going to ostracize individuals Mm -hmm. that i don't even know or maybe i've talked to once and that's fine if that's your stake but you have to own that and then I also think about, like, Joe Rogan's been on a big kick about this recently, like, the path to redemption for people that have, like, gotten kicked off Twitter and kicked Mm. off Facebook, especially young people that are in their teens or early 20s that Mm -hmm. say things that are, like, blatantly offensive. I'm not defending them at all, but Mm -hmm. people on both sides of the spectrum that are really extreme that get kicked off these platforms that are arguably more important to the civil conversation than anything else. Like, if you're not on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where are you going to get your news from as a young person you're going to be completely your voice is not being heard and so what is the path to redemption you're saying that for the next 80 years of that person's life they're never going to be able to participate in a public conversation Mm -hmm. is that what we want to say like as a society is that right like and he had brought on the ceo of twitter and like all these different people over the past couple weeks to talk about it and i think that's my biggest thing is like once you label someone when those labels change or when the times change or when you get to know someone better what's the path to redemption for bringing that person back into the fold and that's where i think the interesting conversation lies yeah i agree with that i don't have an answer to it though so (laughs) shall we do our rapid fire questions oh we are into the practice tent oh yes not the archery range sorry these are different things i don't even know my own we have to keep with the theme yes um so let's begin madeline do you have any personal rituals for the end of the year no, but I know people that have them, like, 
or around birthdays. Mm-hmm. Like I went to our friend Laura's birthday, and yeah. someone at the party had like a birthday ritual. They like asked everyone whose birthday it is like the same set of questions. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's cool. I don't have one, though, to yeah. answer the question. I mean, I feel like mine definitely changes, but I do do a lot of, um, or I'm trying to do more, like, self-reflection. Yeah. I've recently goal setting, got stuff goal like setting. That. I've gotten really into bullet journaling, which oh, is yes. my, like, new fave thing, which I hope I get back into it when I'm back from this trip because I've kind of dropped the ball a little bit. But um, that's the point of bullet journaling is that that's okay. So I have a lot of rituals around that, but... Normally, like, New Year's, I think, is, like, the dumbest holiday to go out on. So I'm, like, Yeah, eh. it's always very expensive, yeah. and the Ubers are surging, and... So dumb. It's just... Yeah. A whole host of things. Okay, moving on. Do you have any physical features that you try to cloak or hide? How oh. come? I mean, I feel like the normal, just, like, no one wants to look fat. I don't know. Yeah. Not really. Like, I don't have any, like, birthmarks or, like, yeah. physical deformities or anything that I'm, like, I need to cloak it in the night, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I had a period where I feel like I had a lot of acne scarring on my face, which is very... Oh, interesting. I know. I every time I tell this you. to people, they're yeah. always like, no. Yeah. I mean, it's always your insecurities. No one else Yeah. Notices. But I mean, there was a time when it, I guess it was like I had one person, like one stranger comment on it, and I was like always assumed that it must be so oh. horrible. So I have used some pretty intense Korean... Uh, foundation in the past but i have now eschewed that after talking to cassie our former guest of the pod so i like today i have nothing on and i feel like this is quite a oh thank you yeah uh big step forward yeah so i feel like it's just the normal stuff like there's nothing that i'm like i have actively can't let anyone see this so uh this is a good question do you like to be saved or do the saving oh god well this is a good question. I feel like I always end up doing the saving, but mm-hmm. like I would like to be saved because I want to be lazy and taken care of. Yeah. I have to say I completely agree. I do like saving and I will. Ins- it's a control thing yeah. too. Like I'm self-aware enough to know that. Oh, it's yeah, like totally I like to control too. the situation. Yeah. And sometimes that involves yeah. actively trying to like save other people exactly. that are either asking for it or not. But yeah. I also would like yeah. the opportunity to just like eat yeah. bonbons and have someone take care of me. No, I totally agree. And I feel like I've definitely at times my life inserted myself in situations where I did not need to insert myself. Right. No or, one asked you to. Yeah. Or, and then yeah. I, the only person that ends up hurting is myself. Right. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I, I, there's a part of me, the feminist in me that like, I hate the idea of saying like, I have to be saved, but I feel like not to make David feel all warm and squeezy inside. But um, like, he is the type of person who I, not and again, I think saving is not the right word. If we're talking about like taking care or yeah, like being true. mindful the of think, anticipating other people's needs, he does a yeah. lot of that, and I really yeah. enjoy that. I feel like they were talking about this actually this week on the Guys We Fuck podcast because mm-hmm. one of the co-hosts she had gotten, she's had this pattern of being like she's super put together in her life, and like every guy that she's in a relationship with, just using that as an example. Mm-hmm she's like gone out of their way like career wise to help them like a lot of these Mm. guys are also comedians which she is like she would go out of her way to like give them spots that she could be doing or giving she's very well along in her career she would use her contacts to help these guys out Mm -hmm. and she would be like this is the path for it if you just follow the path like Mm -hmm. you can do it and they would just be like lazy or they would be like i don't want to do that or Mm -hmm. whatever they just weren't go-getters like she was and then she was like with her current boyfriend that she just started dating she was like i'm not giving him any career advice i'm not helping him with his career like Mm -hmm. i'm there for him personally and like 
I'll yeah. of course be there if he has a bad day, but like I'm not going to help him with his career yeah. or give him unsolicited advice or anything. Yeah. And she was like really hurt because her ex boyfriend, who she really tried to like, his career was like in the toilet and she really yeah. tried to help him. He had this project in the works for a really long time and it wasn't going anywhere. And he just got a new girlfriend mm. and he was like announcing this project and he thanked her in like the, the, the last new line. Or the new girlfriend. Yeah. He thanked her in the, lo- the last line of his like press release, being like, Thank you to so and so. She was so instrumental with like helping me with this. And she was like, I felt so bad for that girl because she's never going to be more than like the thank you on the last line of the thing. And she she's like, I know because I was there like, yeah, I was that girl and I was giving so much to this person and trying to save them and trying to help them. Yeah. And like I set him up so that she could do that final push. Like it was a team effort. Yeah. She's like, not only did I not get thanked, but she's she deserves more co-credit on this. Yeah. And she's only going to be like he's going to win an Oscar and she's going to be like a line in his thank you speech and I feel like a lot of women that's an extreme like entertainment mm-hmm. example but I there's like so many women I feel like especially in yeah. relationships that are like go out of their way to be like I'm gonna help you and I'm gonna go out of my way to do this agreed there's a whole movie with Glenn Close the wife oh. that just got oh. last Oscar season interesting about this check so. that out. I like it okay um this is a dumb question. Do you secretly miss Polaroid cameras? No, I don't think I ever used them. I mean, maybe this is a millennial thing because well, they were never really a big part of my life. I don't. I mean, I've used them. You can still get them. Like, I don't yeah, feel like they're kind they of expensive left. though. They're like a dollar per Polaroid. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you really wanted the experience yeah, of a Polaroid, and I don't think they yeah. were cheap to begin with. Yeah. So, dumb question, Alexandra. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. I really like this question. Do you think everyone has the capacity to be a leader? No. Uh, I think yes. Oh, great. Would you like to explain your answer? Tension. Um, As I'm going to say in tomorrow's presentation, storytelling uses tension to grab attention. Yes. So many puns. I guess kind of like in their own way, because I think part of being a leader is like being part of a team. So some people are like, I'm the leader in this but they're not thought of as, like, the leader. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe they're the thought leader, like, giving an idea. So I guess in that way, like, yes, everyone has the capacity. But I feel like there are definitely personality types that, like, if push comes to shove, like, if we're in the zombie apocalypse and, like, you're stuck in a room with five people, the person with the dominant leadership capabilities is going to, like, take charge. And the person that's not. So, like, yes, in, like, day-to-day life, like, everyone can be a leader. But at the same time, I think there are always, like, in group work, in work situations, there's always the people that rise to the top. And I think that will always happen. So, like, yes, does everyone have the capability? Of course, they can work on those skills. Mm -hmm. But I think at a certain point in your life, like, I think maybe when you're younger, because there's always this, like, is leadership taught or innate? Mm -hmm. I think when you're younger, it can be taught. But I think there's a certain point in life where, like, you can work on it on the margins, but the majority of your capacity for leadership will already be formed, like, before you're the age of 18. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on any of those facts, but, I mean, I definitely think that leadership can be cultivated and that we all have a spark for it. And I think leadership is also more than just that obvious, like, I'm taking lead. You know, I think leadership in a lot of ways is doing your job or living your life or being a part of your community in a way that is exemplary, however Mm -hmm. you define that. And to me, you know, you can be a leader even if you're a stay-at-home mom who does no volunteer work. That's true. Yeah, I guess my my 
thought it's like is it personal leadership of like you feel like you're leading your own life yes absolutely everyone can do that with my thing I'm like if everyone's a leader then there are no followers and therefore there are no leaders yeah. like you need the followers yeah. and so well I guess I'm saying there's a there's a part of leadership that includes being a good follower that's true I guess I have a very limited understanding like when I think of leader I'm like there's a group of people there's a person leading leading yeah that aspect of leadership I think is innate for some people Mm -hmm. but what you're describing and I think Rachel Hollis talks a lot about this as well Mm -hmm. and a lot of personal development stuff that like leadership isn't necessarily leading other people it's leading yourself Mm -hmm. I think that can be called taught and cultivated i agree um how are we on time how many more should we do oh we're good we're at 41 minutes oh great perfect so how about we do um let me see like four more maybe perfect yeah um these are good ones do you think we should live like we're dying no because then you end up doing like terrence was talking about this like yes i think we we've had some questions like this before where it's like i think you should keep in the back of your mind that like life is precious it's not Mm -hmm. unlimited obviously don't like produce anxiety in yourself being like i'm gonna die at any moment but i think it's good to be like cherish memories with family and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because you know that there's only going to be a limited amount of them yeah but i think if you live every way like you're actually dying you're going to be like terrence was talking about where he was like calling all of his friends being like you have to pray for me and like it's all encompassing being like i have to survive yeah like people that are in i don't think anyone that's in like a critical injury or like a prolonged illness situation will be like yes you should live like you're dying because it sucks well and also i think that like i completely agree with you there should be this value of presence and being present in your life and taking that time to savor it and enjoy it but i also you know for the most of us life is going to be really wide and and deep and you have to kind of appreciate that aspect because in some ways 80 or 90 or 100 years is a short amount of time in other ways there's so much that can happen so you know you have to appreciate that you know i think the longer arc of your own story so i agree yeah maddie we're so grateful all right uh do you think you're currently operating at 100 percent capacity no, I feel like if you were operating at 100% capacity, you'd be, like, burnt out in, like, two days. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like... At certain parts... Like, capacity, it's like, am I using every waking hour for something productive? No. no. Like, that's what I think of capacity yeah. is. Yeah, but I think there's also, like, mental energy. I don't know. I think I'm pretty close to capacity on mental energy right now. Yeah, like, I feel like energy. I'm using yeah. my time wisely, but I don't, like, do I watch TV and, like, mindlessly, like... Yes. Eat food and not think about anything? Yes. I love that. It's my favorite activity. Mm-hmm. We could do more questions. Okay. We're burning through these. We these are. are fun. I know. Okay. Um, do you ever fantasize about being in a rock band and what would your group be <laughs> yes. called? This is my favorite activity. Okay. Um, I don't know what my group would be called, but that would be so fun. Ideal job. I would not enjoy being in a rock band. Why? Because it would be very loud. I feel like I would have lots of headaches. I love it. I would have to do way too many drugs. And um, I don't think I would like being sleeping on a bus. That's true. I actually love sleeping on buses. Not like a gross like mega bus, but like tour buses. Love the little cabins. When have you slept on a tour bus? 
Um, I took like an overnight bus once when I was in Europe and it's like a similar thing where they have little cabins. It's so nice because you feel like you're in a coffin. You're like in a womb. It's like a cocoon and the bus is like slowly rocking. It's actually very comfortable. I I feel like I would maybe like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no life on the road. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would just be so fun. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Um, has a teacher ever changed your life? How so? Oh my God. I don't know if changed my life, but... I've talked about him a lot of times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. My history professor, Professor Zimmerman, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Zimmerman at NYU. He's written a lot of books, which I recommend all of them. I have a lot of them um, that I can loan to people. Um, But he was great. I took him for two classes. One was called Culture Wars, and it was looking at history through different, um, like, different ideologies. So, like, every week was, like, a different sort of culture war. So we had, like, abortion, gun control all sorts of things, and we looked at the issue across American history, mm-hmm. and then we would have two people at the forefront of the debate. So it's like, how do you unwrap, how do you figure out how you feel about something like abortion through the lens of American history? So I thought it was very interesting, very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, great professor. And then I also took the history of public school. He had a class on the history of public schools mm. in the U.S., which was very random, and I only took it because he taught it. Um, but he was great. He was just a great guy. Like He did a lot of... like strange things Mm -hmm. but it like made you feel connected like every class and he taught like huge lecture classes he would go around and like shake everyone's hand at the beginning of the class like stuff like that that we were like ah he's kind of like goofy and corny but it's like he learned everyone's name like he always wanted to include everyone he's like so brilliant so great Mm -hmm. i still read his books i love it i love it um i have to say i feel like You know, it's so funny because I'm trying to parse this out. I'm like, who has really changed my life and who has just been an amazing teacher? And I think that's definitely hard. Um, I would say... Did you study something that you wouldn't have normally studied or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I think looking back retrospectively, my eighth grade English teacher, her name was Mrs. Brown. Her name is Mrs. Brown. Um, She was a really incredible woman and I think she changed changed the you know trajectory of me because she was the first person who I really saw be a storyteller Mm -hmm. like I think out in the world and just like not care what she shared with people and she also let me go off curriculum so much like I could do whatever I wanted and I think that really allowed me to like blossom at that time that was really important Um, I had a couple high school English teachers who were also phenomenal and I think compounding that with that experience in eighth grade really let me like gave me the courage to to major in English instead of science which is kind of the choice I made when Mm -hmm. I got to college um I had some great professors in undergrad. I had a professor who had definitely influenced my life with a negative comment, which I've talked about on here before. Um, and then, you know, I always say the whole experience of being at NYU and getting to learn in those, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to like barf when I say this, but those like hallowed halls, yeah. and being able to study literature in that environment was was very um was very impactful so yeah, yeah i could go on and on for a long time i like that yeah so probably do a couple more yeah let's do um okay there are two more and then there's two more i think would be good what do you think? Okay. okay um have you ever actually kept a new year's resolution oh gosh um 
I feel like I forget to think about them. I feel like this is where something like bullet journaling or like yeah, um, like people have like gratitude journals or like people that yeah. journal every day. It's like to keep a New Year's resolution, you have to remember what it was yeah. multiple months down the line. Yeah. And I feel like that's where I would like. It's like yeah, maybe subconsciously like I've kept it, but it's not something where I'm like looking at the goal every day and then yeah. being like, how am I measuring up to this? Which yeah. I think there are methods to do that that I just don't do. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say no, because I feel like probably. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm not consciously thinking about my New Year's resolutions yeah. all the time. I mean, I can definitely say yes. Um, and this is because several years ago, and Maddie had benefited from some of these, I just, um, I stopped. Sometimes it makes me feel like we answered these questions already, but here we go. No, answering I think them the again. New York Times ones were similar. Some oh, of them. You okay, know what I mean? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like worded. Similarly, Similarly. But different, yeah. I do a New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. which is a com- combination of a revelation and a resolution. So one year it was like, be more badass. So I like wore a lot of black and got some motorcycle boots, which was awesome. Uh, one year it was make more waffles. Oh, and yes. I made I definitely a benefit of waffles that. and Maddie really benefited from it. Um, but I think in terms of like resolutions or goal setting, it's really important, and this is just my professional opinion, um, in terms of professional and personal development, it's something that you really need to be checking in with quarterly. Right. And New Year's resolutions are not, you know... It's like you think about it once really and helpful. you don't think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I mean, maybe thing. if your goal for is to, like, lose 100 pounds or something, but I think most of us right. don't have those kinds of But then goals it's, like, in your really mind all the time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. So last but not least for this one... Hold on. Let me see one thing. I feel like I just got a insane number of text messages um okay this is a good one because i can answer this one have you ever been genuinely afraid for your physical safety oh god do you want to answer first you have an answer so i would say there have been two times um the first was when i was uh, teaching abroad in spain and I was going on vacation to Italy with my friends oh, Liz. Is this when you went to Naples? Yes. Yes. Um, I apologize if I've told the story before on the pod. I don't no, think okay. I have. Um, and ugh, Liz, God bless her soul, <laughs> didn't have her cell phone turned on. And this was also like 10 years ago. So yeah. the digital landscape was a little bit difficult. So I had been in, I'd come a couple days after them because of my school had a different schedule and I wanted to go to Rome. So I went to Rome by myself, spent a lovely day in Rome, and then um, hopped on the train and came down to Naples where I was to meet them. For whatever reason, my train got in late. Um, and I knew Naples was like a little rough and tumble, mm-hmm. but like I've been traveling at this point all over Europe um, for years, and I'd been traveling all by myself all over Europe for several years. So I didn't really think much of it. And I got off and like, again, this isn't that where you could just like pull up a map right. on your phone and I was like I'm really confused it's really dark it's really poorly lit there were all these like mafioso looking <laughs> guys yeah so finally I didn't speak a lick of Italian so finally I get in a taxi and I give the order I just say in Spanish but of course I say something stupid like no hablo italiano so lamente yeah. hablo espanol and I'm like what an idiot um and I gave him the address and he took me there. But I was like, I literally thought I was maybe going to be raped and murdered. Yeah. And um, he charged me 50 euro to take me maybe wow. four blocks. Yeah. Did definitely did not have 50 euro. I was only making 950 euro a month. And um, then I called and called for Liz and she like <laughs> did not come downstairs for a good 20 minutes. Yeah. So God bless her. I should maybe bleep her name out. Ugh. But 
And then the only other time I've ever felt like, oh God, this is not going to go well is uh, when I was riding the train. I had a meeting um, at Bloomingdale's Mm -hmm. uh, when I was working with Kinder Modern and Laura had been coming, my boss had been coming from another location and I had been coming from our office. So we weren't riding the train together and I get on the train and a man gets on the car and you know there's like in New York City or any big city sometimes you just have crazy people who are like muttering stuff under their breath but it's very clear that they're crazy Mm -hmm. and even if it's annoying or a little disturbing you doesn't feel dangerous Yeah. yeah he got on and he was muttering in a way that I was like oh fuck he's gonna murder all of us he could pull out a gun like I really so was what did you concerned. do? Did you go to another car? Did you just, oh, like, freeze? Oh, well, I didn't know what to do, and I, I had, like, one stop, and then, of course, the train stops uh, dead in between the two stops, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then finally we get to Bloomingdale's, and I, like, hightailed it off yeah. that train, and I, like, ran upstairs, and it was fine, and maybe I overreacted, but there was just something about the tone of his voice yeah, that, high. like, immediately put that, like, prehistoric yeah. reptile brain, like, went up, like, yeah. this is not going to end well. Um, and this is just totally unrelated. Um with all of the shootings, I've never been afraid of someone like pulling a gun in a public place. But on this trip to New York, I just feel like because it's there have been so many of these mass shootings, yeah. I find myself getting nervous if I see somebody like going into a suit jack pocket yeah. or well, thing having something in New their York, back pocket, which is really interesting. Has not had as many of those incidents. I know. And I would like to keep it that way. I know, but I but just yeah, definitely people from it was coming interesting from that that elsewhere. was kind of my. Well, I just think also the prevalence of it. So. Yeah, okay. and New York is so concentrated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have anything that, like, sticks out in my mind like you have with both those stories. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky that I haven't had anything like that that's, like, so visceral that I was, like, I'm going to die right here, <laughs> I guess. Well, I think the one on the subway might have been because the train was yeah. stopped and it was, like, I'm in this confined space. Right, you're, like, ugh. Yeah. And yeah. I don't really know how the subway yeah, I mean, doors I guess... work. So I like, sometimes I don't know how to switch between yeah. doors. And then what if it started while I was switching right. and I fell and I died? Yeah. So. It's like the fight or flight. Yeah. I, there's definitely been like times in like, where you're like in a confined area that I've been like, whoa, this could like be a powder keg if someone really wanted it to be. Um, one time, this didn't like freak me out so much at the time, but there was like a real nice... Um, like it happened a couple times when I was in middle school this was like the hot thing to do I guess where like disgruntled 8th graders would call in bomb threats to my middle school oh how fun and it was like post 9-11 and I think it's because it happened a couple times in my school district where mm-hmm. like when I was in middle school these kids would like call it a bomb threat and then they would like completely evacuate the school and like call in the bomb squad and it was like a whole thing. I don't know how they deal with it now. Yeah. Or even with like the or active shooter stuff. Um but I remember those being like scary, mostly because the adults were freaked out because mm-hmm. they thought it was like a credible threat. So they were like you know, and I can't imagine being a teacher when you're like having to evacuate a bunch mm-hmm. of like middle schoolers and like dealing with all of that. But I think anytime it's the same way, like, I never get freaked out. I was talking to Jenny about this because she has a lot of flying anxiety. And she was like, how do you know, like, you know, when you have, like, normal turbulence on an airplane, like, when does it get? Mm-hmm. Like, we've all been on an airplane where you're like, I'm a, whoa. Yeah. 
but it's it's fine. Obviously, none of us have died in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. So she was like, "How do you know when it's like time to panic?" Mm-hmm. And really, I think from talking to flight attendants and people that work in the industry, like talking to Ricky and stuff, she's like, the only time you should panic is if the flight attendants are panicking. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way about teachers, too. Like, anytime a teacher is panicking. Yeah. And, like, you're a kid. Yeah. That's, like, time to panic. So that's why I'm, like, after I learned that and I really, like, internalized it, like, on flights, I'm, like, it could be bouncing all over the place. And if the flight attendants are still walking around serving drinks, you're going to be fine. That's such a good point. Because when I was on my flight here, it was, like, I got on the flight and all of a sudden I was, like crap i really have to pee so like we had just like gotten right to the cruising altitude so they saw the seatbelt sight turn on right. and she said there was like turbulence and i was like there was no turbulence yeah. so i like got up and went back to the bathroom and she's like um you're supposed to return to your seat because there's turbulence and i was like there's can, i was like can i just sit here until the bathroom is empty because i really have right. to pee and she was like you don't have to do anything but i like we're just li- legally <laughs> to liable you, yeah. to tell you and i was like oh and she's just like calmly making coffee right. i'm like i think i'll be fine yeah you know? if she's still standing it's only yeah. when like ricky told me this because she's gone through like the same sort of not as intense as the flight mm-hmm. attendants but they give you because when you fly standby with JetBlue, you mm-hmm. have to you're still considered like a crew member and you have to be able to help in an emergency yeah. so she's even though she has an office desk job at the corporate office, like, she's still gone through it. And she was, like, they tell you, like, part of the procedure, like, if the plane's going down, they will audibly yell. Like, they won't run to the phone and, like, do yeah. it over the intercom. Like, they will yell instructions at you. Yeah. So, if the flight attendant's not actively yelling, you're fine. it's fine. You're fine. And if they're doing their job, like, sometimes I've been on flights where they're, like, it's too bumpy and we're not going to serve drinks right now. It's yeah. not because the plane's going down or something dangerous is happening. It's because they don't want the drinks to spill on you yeah. as the customer. Yeah. And I think once you, like, make that distinction, you're like, oh, this is fine. And then once you realize that the flight attendants are doing this, like, four times a day. Yeah. And they're just like, blah, 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 laissez-faire, yeah. making coffee, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's all good. So, yeah. It's fine. Great place to end. Great place to end. All right, campers, thank you for joining us for the end of Palooza and Maddie and Shay's Friendship Podcast. Uh, We love you, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.